Welcome to another exciting episode of the Business of Sound. My name is David Segura. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Glassbox Media and the host of this podcast. Our goal is to provide you with actionable tips and insights that'll be relevant to you, whether you're a podcast executive, podcast host, or all the above. Join us every Thursday as we bring these insights into you and more importantly, interviews with like leading lights in this industry. And before we get started, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you fancy, give us a five-star rating so you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes and ongoings of the episode. In today's episode, we actually welcome Brian Barletta as our guest. Brian founded Sales Profitable, a comprehensive resource for podcast advertising and ad tech education and news groups. With a, fo- with a focus on topics ranging from anything from analytics to industry trends, Sales Profitable has been able to provide their expertise to a lot of different folks in the industry, and we're very confident it'll be the same for you. Brian has an extensive professional background um, and has worked at other companies, including Megapo, which everybody in the space certainly knows well. And I'm very, very excited to have him on the episode for today. This is very cool. Yeah, I, I queued up a few of the episodes. I've been listening to it when I'm walking around with the kids. I'm very excited uh, to see more companies in podcasting using podcasting as a tool for communication. We we say that it's so valuable and such a great medium to reach people. So uh, uh, hats off to you, seriously, for, for putting in the effort and having a podcast in an audio space. I appreciate that. Thank you for the kind words. Um, so just starting up at the top, Ryan, I mean, I told people this, and I'm being completely sincere, not just because you're a guest on today's episode. Uh, I actually learned something when I listened to your podcast. And that's a good thing, obviously. It's probably part of the point. But just taking a step back, what do you consider to be the central purpose for the podcast? Like, what is the vision, you know, for doing the show week to week every year? Yeah, so we're, we're coming up on three years. And, and honestly, it's a question we ask ourselves every few months, like, what is our purpose and our goal? Um, we took a very neutral and open focus. None of our content is uh, behind paywall or subscriptions. Uh, we do ask people to subscribe to the newsletter, but like none of it's gated uh, by costs or research, none of that. And especially the podcast too, that's open and available, no ad free version or anything like that. We actually don't even do ads anymore in any aspect of our content. So the goal is to be a truly neutral neutral and dependable source for education, uh, insights, research, and advocacy in the space. It's it's really tough to be neutral. I mean, on our quest to, to build Sounds Profitable, we had so many opportunities to have equity advisory or board seats in companies to work on commission and all of these things, and we uh, declined them because we realized that if you align too heavily with one company on a financial level, you end up in a situation where it's really tough to justify your neutrality. So, you know, our goal really is to be those people that are, are talking with everyone, working with everyone and want to grow the entire industry. And I would say for most of the people consuming the product, we have nothing to sell to them, right? We're a partnership-based solution. Glassbox is a partner. We have 135 partners and we provide all these resources to them. So our goal is to educate and you know, help, help everybody in the space, we, which makes it really fun because we don't have to drive towards downloads necessarily or new subscribers or anything. It's when we walk into a room and people like yourself are able to talk intelligently about vast tags and programmatic advertising and the latest research to compare, uh, you know, host red versus announcer red. That's, that's the win. That's the goal. Amazing. And well said as well. Um, from your perspective, it's a little bit of a loaded question, but 
podcasting as an industry is obviously growing really quickly. It's evolving even faster than I think anyone expected. But what would you pinpoint is maybe the, the central concern or a problem, if you will, that needs to be solved for to really kind of set the industry on fire? I mean, I'm sure there's many things you could choose, but would love to hear directly from you, like what you're fixated on, what you hope collectively the industry maybe gets better at tackling. I, um, I, I'm very much a chicken little with these things. So like the, you know, like my, my concern is, um, we tackle one of these things and, and everyone's like, yeah, there's billions of dollars waiting in the sidelines when you solve X and we solve it. And they're just like, ah, and then the move, the goalposts further. That's always what, uh, what scares me when I like try and rally people up around things. But I would say like, we have foundational issues, right? Um, the download is a killer metric. It works, right? We're dealing in a world where direct mail, uh, broadcast television, broadcast radio, out of home, even digital out of home are all things that have worse measurement than podcasting. And the download in a silo makes complete sense. But the problem is, and, and we don't talk about this enough, the download today in the IAB, the Interactive Advertising Bureau specification, is a guideline. That means that how me and you, David, would interpret it if we implemented in our own platform could be different and we could still seek certification and be passed on that. What it really needs to become, and I think this is foundational to all the growth in our industry, is a specification. I think that means that everybody who got the same 30 days worth of raw data would get the same results. There's nothing cool about counting downloads, quote unquote, better. It's all about what we do with it from there, right? Getting the same base level and being able to give somebody the confidence that says, okay, if you buy a campaign from just Spotify or just SXM or just Wondery, sure, you can run your entire campaign in one place. But if you buy it through Glassbox and through other companies as well, all in, in the same environment, you know that that metric is the same across them. You have the confidence to run across multiple partners and run across the whole industry, which is how we grow that pie. So I would say that that that's really the foundational thing that we have to work on as an industry. And the IAB is the place that we're having that conversation. I do want to preface that the format of the IAB is you pay to participate and we're self-governing it. We're self-driving it. So it's, it's, you pay to then do the homework. Um, it's not a great model, but we're also in charge of it. Sure. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I guess one comment I will make is that, you know, just based on my previous life at Giant and elsewhere, working really closely with really large advertisers, the respected media agencies, you name it. One thing that we kind of come across occasionally is that people are perfectly willing to dip their toe into podcasting, but, you know, they're going to start with some of the bigs, right? Whether it's Spotify or someone else. Now, that's fine. We think it's great. But we want them to also start buying from us, the dear medias of the world, the Pushkin medias of the world as well. And I think having more commonality in terms of how things are measured is going to be great for everyone. And definitely for 100%. that, which is good for everybody. So couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just the foundation. We have to set it. Like we, we might be a nearly 20 year old industry. We might have uh, had massive improvements in the last five years. We might be the hottest media channel possible. But we're still like in the 1.0 days, maybe moving into 2.0. We missed a revenue mark. And I don't think that that's a negative. I think we've still had immense growth. It's just not the rocket ship that is CTV or other areas where people are can, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's less risk. It's a little safer. I agree with that. Um, I guess to build on that though, like, you know, I don't want, certainly don't want to be negative, but you know, there's challenges to overcome and I'm confident as an industry, we'll slowly get there and, and businesses as well. But what do you think are the biggest, you know, let's say misconceptions or 
even, dare I say, negative perceptions of podcasting, which are, if not true, at least hold us back? Um, yeah, misconceptions. Okay. Uh, I would say uh, brand safety and suitability is really interesting because, uh, you know, there there's ways to look at it, right? We don't have the FTC involved yet. I guess we're not regulated in the same way that other industries that absolutely will change in the, in the foreseeable future. Um, and so that's like a safety net that people have been able to get behind on content on broadcast television, broadcast radio. Um, but even streaming gets away from that YouTube and whatnot have governed some of their own rules. Um, but then they get involved, right? The FTC, the government gets involved there. Brand safety and suitability is, is possible in podcasting. I mean, there's very few there are very few podcasts out there worth um, advertising in that are like recording immediately and then immediately editing and immediately putting it live without any room for oversight, right? It might not be the best flow in the world to give somebody an entire episode and allow them to listen to it before they choose to buy ads in there, but it's possible. There are tools out there that are fantastic, best in class in all of um, brand safety and suitability that I think are being driven by podcasting first to really explore that uh, and, and that will make it easier to sort things in quicker buckets to say what does need my attention. But I think uh, on-demand media instead of live stream is, uh, is something that means we have immense control from it. I mean, we're seeing the Daily Wire actively beep their, like, the, the swears, right? Like, you know... And, uh, what are you whatever you think about the content overall they've looked at these tools and found advertisers don't want to be around swears it hurts our ratings in in apple and these other places so they start beeping it there are absolutely companies out there that are running their content through this tool and saying cut that segment that loses us an advertiser we we have all those things there i think the buyers um rightfully so are are challenging us on the things that they can get easily in other platforms like Facebook or even uh, programmatic video. And I think the response that they're looking for half the time is really just for us to cut CPMs and to make it easier for them. But I think what we need to all do is is kind of toe that line and say, nope, we have the tools. This is how it works. And and we're all on board with it. Boom, That's fair. Uh, by coincidence, I spoke to someone in London uh, today and they let us know that like, yeah, do you think at some point FCC or just the regulators will get more involved and yeah. you know their point was they thought that I would, that I would actually be helpful so uh you know we'll say time with all I guess you never know yeah I mean I mean I think drawing boxes is not a bad thing right because there are companies out there who's who find that the FTC guidelines are enough for them to trust something and you know it's all about building confidence we're we're not going to get from 2 billion to 20 billion by um you know by doing it completely unique and bespoke in podcasting we have to enter the real world of advertising in dollars sure i agree with that you know one question i have for you and it's just a you know observation based on everything i see sounds profitable it's like a franchise and a platform is growing like very quickly you know from like the podcast the consultancy to live events you know it's, it's just something that works really well as a communications platform how do you manage to be it seemed like everywhere all at once like what is the secret to basically being effective across so many partners because of the feedback has been you know uniformly positive and we feel the same of course well i really appreciate that i mean i i think um i look at how the other groups treat all of us right you're you're um we're not clients to a lot of these places. These organizations that we're all part of are we're so small 
as an industry to them compared to the other channels that they're focusing on. So they dedicate less resources and all of that. And even the events in the podcast space continue to ask for more and more money and sometimes deliver less and less. So what I look at is all of you have, have entrusted us, right? Like we have a killer opportunity as sounds profitable to really represent the industry and really drive things forward. So we don't take it for granted. So every time I have the chance to represent any of you to, to check in and see what's going on, see how I can help and connect all of you that, um, that really excites me. Like it's like being a salesperson for every single company on there, but with no quota. Right. So when I make introductions, they're, they're well-received and, um, I love connecting people. So I think the short is um, uh, my Vyvanse prescription, too much caffeine, and then I have two young children, so I'm already sleep deprived. Uh, and the long answer is that I am acutely aware that this is a model that hasn't really been done in any other industry. And I know that Tom and I, Tom Webster, uh, my partner, can really make an impact in this space and, and it's time sensitive. So that's why you know I'll sleep when I'm dead kind of thing. Yeah, necessity, right? It's mother of all uh, inventions. So you have to. So that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, loaded question, but between you and Tom, then, you know, what have been some of the more memorable interviews and conversations you've had on the Apple podcast? That's something I'm very curious about. Um, you know, it's it's fun. Tom was uh, I had Tom as a guest on the podcast before we even became partners. So I mean, this, Tom Webster is the face of research and podcasting. Eighteen years at Edison Research, presenting Shareveer, uh, Infinite Dial, all of the major reports. Right, he is the best storyteller on the business side of podcasting, um, and I was such a fan of his. I mean, I started Sounds Profitable. Uh, inspired by his newsletter, inspired by content like his and trying to create something that could be on par. So, you know, having him as a guest on the podcast and then having him come on board, uh, I would say that's pretty memorable because I didn't think for the life of me that he would come over and uh, join in and be a partner on this. And it's made all the difference, right? It's, it's legit legitimized what I was already working on and then extended it fourfold easily just by the things that he can add to it. Um, we've had some other really great conversations. I mean, we've had so many, it's been almost three years of the podcast. We've had it almost since the start. Um, you know, we had uh, a buddy of mine, Jason was on uh, talking about out of home for our first podcast. And I, I kind of want to get back towards that because I think that the market comparison has been really attractive and interesting. I think that that's an area that we need to educate people in podcasting on because so many of us don't have experience outside of podcasting, right? They, they started in this space. They don't have an ad tech. They don't have an ad seller. They don't have a media background. And so showing them like, Hey, that person's like arguing with you about this thing that doesn't exist anywhere. Like, um, in our Slack channel for all of our partners, I shared news. And one of the things that I posted there was like 54% or some, some more than majority percent, um, of uh, marketers uh, are are unclear on how to uh, fit channels into their media mix model. And that's so powerful because podcasting gets beat up for that and being able to highlight another channel on that. I, th I think that that's really great so that someone can be like, hey, we're, we're not like we're unique when it's valuable, but like we're also the same when it's valuable. It's, it's good to have those comparisons. So I'd say Tom and, and Jason are two of my favorites. That's awesome. Yeah, I agree with that too. Like, not to you know make this about me in any way, but 
years ago, you know, for one of my investments, it's like this like real estate platform that was big in New York, still exists, called Rumi. They needed some help to basically plan and organize a pretty large media buy. And the short answer is that we went, we went forward with it. I think it worked well, but it was at a home specifically within Subways. And I remember the salespeople there. They were good to be fair, but they just flat out told us, they like, look, you know, Squarespace, you know, uh, Zillow, all these folks buy from us. And then I asked them, okay, this is great. I know it probably works, but how do I know? Like, how do I make this more measurable? And they were just like, trust us. When like it works, it works, you'll just know. So I will say that there were certain things that we could do there to make it a little bit more measurable than that. But that was pretty true of the experience, at least at the time in Idaho. Yeah. And, one of the and things, what year was that? This was probably 2017. Yeah, I think So we're talking like the height of beacons and mobile device IDs and, and these things that literally in the last like two or three years have blinked out of existence, right? Those people had that data, couldn't even consi like consi uh, consistently share it, and now don't have access to it. And podcasting still trucking along with the same confident backbone we have. And yeah, I've always thought that podcasting is incredibly measurable. There's limitations, there's blind spots, but, you know, every day we talk to like new agencies and brands, and I'm talking about very savvy people who are pleasantly surprised, believe it or not, Brian, to hear that we can do things like geo-targeting, restriction, DMA, uh, things like that. I just couldn't believe it. And it just is eye-opening sometimes. Like, you know, the education is like where it is and we all got to do our part, I guess, to expand that. So that's, that's, yeah. that's definitely been a big takeaway. One buyer at a time. Yeah, basically. Um, one thing I was also kind of curious about too, and you, you kind of described this at the beginning of the show, but I want to go back to a little bit. Um, when you transitioned out of Makeup, you know, obviously a company everybody knows, and I think for the most part regards really highly the podcast space. Um, why sounds profitable? Like what, what was the impediment to do this now versus maybe later or as opposed to somebody else? Um, you know, I, I didn't, I, I mean, being completely candid, I was like, oh, at Megaphone. I'm very comfortable talking about that. I, you know, my role was to, to help rewrite the ad server and to help grow things in that direction. Uh, butted heads with my, my boss and ended up uh, them not being able to really tell me that they were selling to Spotify. So it makes sense there. So the end result being that, uh, that I found myself unemployed, trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. Had unique experience there, went to my peers at uh, the other hosting platforms. And I was so excited to learn from them. And their response back to me was, what can you teach us? And so I, I just took a shot at it, right? I, you know, I collaborated initially, we collaborated with Pod News and we're very thankful for, for the, um, you know, the growth that they helped us achieve at the start of this. Uh, but we just started educating and I, I didn't know what this would become. I thought maybe it's a path that I take for a year or two as a way to get my name and reputation out there because I was a product manager or a sales engineer, solutions architect. Um, I wasn't a personality. Right. I wasn't I wasn't somebody that people knew in the space. And I, I figured I'd see where it went. Um, and it, it very quickly became a thing like I uh, I'm sitting in it right now. Uh, uh, terrible on a podcast trying to show off this uh, this chair. But this chair was like the first check we got. My wife made sure that like I bought myself like a nice chair because I was going to be sitting it in my home office more and more. Um, because uh you know the the opportunity was there the hole was there we're not 
we're doing a bad job educating people in our company and we're doing a bad job educating people in our space. And it's very tough to ask somebody to educate people. I'm, I'm still not fantastic at writing guides and courses and tests or anything like that, but sharing insights every day, sharing things that I think people should know, make it in a way that they can copy and paste it and just share it without um, second guessing it or having to rewrite it or pull the opinion out of it. Uh, I think that that's really powerful to educate everyone from the junior account manager to the CEO. So I think I think if it wasn't for the buy-in from the partners that helped support and grow what this is, that it never would have happened. And consistently every event, I mean, you were at our event in London, right? We had about 110 people show up in London for a Q2 partner event. We do every quarter, we do a live event. The buy-in was amazing. We're talking about how do we, as podcasting, represent ourselves with like an industry-wide campaign? What more can we do collectively to get in front of buyers and own those relationships? And so um, the buy-in has been fantastic. And, and that's that's how it became a thing. I 100% turned down a handful of job offers, some incredibly insulting, some of them pretty great salaries that I probably would have been really cushy on there. Um, and I, I just said, look, we'll figure it out in a year. And, uh, and, and way quicker than that, it was very clear that this was going to become a career. That's amazing. I mean, hats off to you. Couldn't be said any better. Um, one thing I want to say to you before we like, you know, start to wind down, um, there's so many trends happening. I mean, we, we could talk for hours about that, obviously, but anything from like, you know, the wisdom or the folly of like citing celebrities, if you will, to their podcast, um, adaptations, TV, you know, film, docuseries, you name it. What's the most exciting trend, at least in your mind, in terms of like what podcasting is becoming or where it's about? Uh, kids and family. And I say that as someone with a five-year-old and a two-year-old, uh, the, their birthdays this summer. Um, uh, it's just so powerful to be able to put on a podcast and it be you know one or more episodes a week or different podcasts and them to be in mixed media, right? To be able to have like um, uh, Molly of Denali is a PBS show. So there's the TV show, we got the board books, and then there's a podcast. It means, and I think there's like four seasons with multiple, like eight to 10 episodes. That's a lot of time that I'm not listening to the Frozen soundtrack on repeat, right? Like, that's really powerful. Uh, and, you know, we, with the two kids, uh, my wife and I, and, and we have uh, an au pair, uh, you know, five of us every Monday listening to Wow in the World, right? That means that, that we listen to about an hour in the morning when we get ready on Monday. And so it's the newest episode in the last two episodes. That means that every episode gets five human impressions three times because we listen to the episode at least at least three times. That's 15 impressions off of one download. There's something we haven't cracked there yet. And the advertisers are rightfully scared about kids' content. I mean, it's it's troubling on broadcasting, uh, broadcast television and CTV and all that. Nobody has cracked that overall. But there's the wonder in my child's eyes when there's audio and their imagination gets to build it because they get to remember something they saw versus honestly, the brain dead look my kid has when we put on Bluey and he starts drooling and not paying attention to me, like it kills me because, you know, we, we just, we, we haven't bought in as an industry yet. There's so much kids content there. Me and you have talked about it too. Um, but it's, it's a hard nut to crack. I don't, don't fault anybody from not attacking that right now because there are so many other easier things that we can solve. But I think that that is going to be the thing that differentiates podcasting from all other medium because visually you can, 
there's there's so many ways to interpret something visually when you put it in front of a kid like is that or isn't that offensive words and intent and tone real straightforward real real easy to know if you're in violation of of laws or standards or ethics like uh so i think i think we can do more and go further with audio with kids i think as well said co-listening is just a powerful experience for all the reasons you described so we're working on it like you know yeah. we're thinking about that certainly from like the supplier content side but I will tell you, the brand advertisers actually are trying to figure out how to lead into it. Um, yeah. I can't say who because it's not live or signed yet, but there's a significant, let's just say, uh, kids toy company that wants to move forward in a pretty significant way. And, you know, it's encouraging. I think it's a sign of things that come. So hopefully just a lot more of that. And if you guys subscribe to the paid version of this podcast, David will reveal the name of the company in there and you can sign up and get a free 50% off action figure. There you go. Yeah. Do you uh, actually, enough, you know right? what? Let me turn the question on you guys because yep. you guys represent for ad agencies and stuff. Have you ever got anything cool from an ad client, like a, like a free product or, um, you know, a discount on something? I'll put it this way. Like cool is only I to be older, but like I actually religiously use Magic Mind now. Um, I use cool. several of our products. I should throw out there. But at the same time, like that's one that uh, you know, I've really leaned into. And every single morning I have coffee. I have my Magic Mind. And they gave us a ton of that stuff for free. So it, it worked. And yeah, honestly, a lot of our like uh, clients are pretty cool about stuff like that. They yeah. not only send us a lot of free product, but they keep us in the loop with like any activation or something that we're doing. So even if it's not like strategic or part of our campaign, I don't know. I mean, honestly, especially my co-founder, Chris, um, you know, we're big brand nerds too, media nerds first, but we also actually like the branding world. So it's actually just fun to be a part of that and actually like go to these different events and just yeah. hang out with them. Oh, I'm such so a fan of I like it. it. I like yeah. it. Um, yeah. So one last question I wanted to definitely ask you. We have a lot of different types of listeners. We've actually been surprised by the diversity of folks that are listening. Quite a lot, obviously, are in the space. It's like founders, execs, marketing entrepreneurs, things like that. But there's also, at the end of the day, a lot of hosts, a lot of folks that are maybe just getting started, maybe seeing some momentum, but try to figure out like, what they should be doing and maybe how to make it better. I know it's a super broad question, but what advice do you have to, for someone that's maybe like been doing podcasting for a bit, but is trying to figure out the best way to, I don't know, produce that content or even like scale the audience up? Oh man. Um, yeah. I mean, first uh, just determine if it's a hobby or, or a career. Um, you know, and, uh, Evo Terra once said, uh, the best way to make money in podcasting today is get a job in podcasting. So like separating out, um, what you're building from like hobby and career. Like I, I, I wish the gold rush of like build a podcast, monetize it, quit your job. Like that's really cool. But like me and my kid record a podcast, like that's really fun. Right. Uh, so keep the art art style there. Um, don't grow it for just the sake of growing it. Like what happens if you add another a hundred thousand downloads a month to your unmonetized podcast? What did that cost you? And what are you going to do with it? Um, you might find, you know, if they shop the podcast around to partners like yourself, like I, I'm positive and, and you're probably a better expert at this. Uh, if somebody came to you and said, look, I got a podcast, it's got 10,000 downloads. I think the content's great. I want to hear your thoughts on it because I'm ready to financially invest in growing this, my brand and everything. But I want to know if I grow it, at what point I can come back and would you buy into it? You would take that phone call and, and collaborate with these people. You'd give them honest feedback, right? We would. We would. I mean, we just want to let people know what makes sense for us, what we think makes sense for them. And like, I'm always blown away, like uh, just, just humbled by like the dedication that someone has. 
And that's what it takes. You know, something starts relatively small and gets bigger. Or like you said, it doesn't. Maybe it just sharpens their skill. Maybe it makes them less shy. Maybe it makes them a better parent. I don't know. But as long as people, I guess, are clear about their focus, nothing bad can come with that. Yeah, ex exactly. You just have to have an end goal in mind and you have to have the buy-in <laughs> from those partners. So Amazing. Well, Brian, I don't want to take too much of your time. So I want to thank you again for being on the show. And uh, I'm going to basically play us off now. So thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Business of Sound. The show is produced by er Erica Miranda and Nick Kastner. And as usual, please expect new content every Thursday. If you liked what you heard, please consider giving us a five-star review. It helps the show become more discoverable. And also feel free to follow Glassbox and this show on LinkedIn or Instagram. And thanks again. Thanks for listening, everyone.